Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. I'm Rachel Marshall, one of your co-hosts, and I have a special guest with me today, Jack Gibson of Indestructible Wealth. Jack, thank you so much for joining me again on the show. I think you've been on twice before, and um, thank you so much for coming back today. I know of one time, but maybe I'm getting uh, north of 40 and I'm forgetting the other one. But uh, yeah, it's great to be back either way. Thanks for having me. That is awesome. I will have to double check, but I know last time we talked a lot about kind of the backstory of what you did with Turnkey Real Estate. And today Mm -hmm. you're really launching a new brand and we want to dig into that. So let me just share at the beginning of this episode, if you are listening today and you have this question in your mind that I want to build wealth that lasts, which is something super near and dear to our hearts is we're looking to not only build cash flow, but be in a position of passing on generational wealth. If you want to do that, this is a conversation that's going to help supplement and solidify and gel some of those ideas for you because Jack is on the same path. He has the same ambitions and journey, and he's on this path to do it right now. So if you are really asking the question of what is wealth that lasts? How do I make sure that it's going to last? Tune in today. So Jack is an international and serial entrepreneur. He is a financial thought leader as well. He really started his journey back at 19 in direct sales. And I'm going to ask you a little bit about that as well. So direct sales that led into real estate, building another multi-million dollar portfolio, generating passive income there. And so Jack, building wealth is important to you but let's take it back to the beginning for somebody who has not met you before. How did you get to this point in deciding to help others build indestructible wealth? Well, that's a very in-depth question that I'll try to be uh, brief. <laughs> you know, there's two parts to life and being happy and joyful. The first part is success which is where most people are climbing that mountain, you know, in their twenties and their thirties and they're, uh, they're, they're trying to achieve, they're trying to hit goals and they're trying to create, you know, large incomes or great businesses or, you know, achievers anyways, right Mm -hmm. Those are the things that they're going for. So then, you know, success comes from what you get. So fulfillment on the other hand comes from what you give. So what I realized is that I could create all the success, more success on top of what I've done. And I've had my ups and my downs and successes and failures uh, plenty. Um, But what I realized is that and I look back like over like the last 20 years of really since I started business, what gave me the most fulfillment, joy, it was pouring into the younger generation and pouring in and mentoring uh, those that are really hungry for success, but also they're, they are teachable and they are hungry to do something more with their life than just create success. So I realized that when I looked to start the brand, you know, I could teach business, I could teach entrepreneurialism. There's, uh, I could teach life skills, I could teach 
probably could go into how to teach a successful marriage. I mean, we've been married almost 20 years, mm -hmm. but you can't be all things to all people. You really have to pick a niche, a focus, and a specific market if you're going to have any success, you know, launching a, a brand. So I looked back and said, well, what's the number one thing that, you know, kind of like permeates everything over the last two decades and even going back? To childhood, it was always centered around money. I love it. So it made sense for me to create a, a brand around money and successful money, not only management, but uh, how to how to make more of it, how to keep more, and then how to eventually how to grow it and multiply it. You know, Jack, it's interesting that you brought in this success and fulfillment. And I've heard multiple people talk about those two parts of life before. And there's a science of success. There's an art of fulfillment. I think mm -hmm. Russell Brunson said that. And it's interesting that we all kind of realize that as we're continuing on this path, it's not necessarily making more money. It's not necessarily even reaching a financial target. Or many people say it's retirement, which I don't believe in retirement. I believe that you can create time and money freedom so you can then choose what you want to do with your time but why would I want to stop creating that contribution if that's truly making me come alive and also providing value to the world? So all of these things, though, if I reach this end goal, we realize that that end goal didn't provide the fulfillment in itself. It really is this contribution that you're talking about. So Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I have on the front page of my website, I think the first thing it says, forget retirement. <laughs> like, mm. Now, it was supposed to be something a little bit more, uh, what's a, uh, an adjective that would be a little bit stronger. <laughs> That's what my coach told me to use. I'm like, man, what if my mom goes to the site? I can't say that. So uh, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm aligned in terms of, I don't believe that retirement is an age or really a destination. My goal through the indestructible wealth, yes, is to help people create something that, you know, can last for a long time, for decades, and even multi-generationally, but really it's to help people to retire financially early so they can do what they want to do when they want to do it with who they want to do it with. Mm. Well, I was just going to ask you to define indestructible wealth, and maybe you just have. Is there about anything else that you can probably Yeah. <laughs> That's about so as close as I can get. You know. I think another way to define it is thinking in terms of we have to be totally present to the fact that our money, our wealth could be taken from us mm -hmm. or it could be lost or uh, it could be stolen or it could get eroded. Um, all of those things are entirely possible. So to, to say that I truly have this uh, number in my bank account and is indestructible. I think that's really not being present to the realities of life. However, what is indestructible are your ideas. What's indestructible is your mindset because that can never be taken away, can never be lost. Um, you can certainly lose your way in terms of your mindset, but you did that of your own uh, willingness or your own habits of thought. So money being nothing more than really truly an idea, and by an idea, I mean somebody thought up Bitcoin, that was an idea first. Now mm -hmm. it's a currency, but it was an idea, and it still is. It's still an idea as well. So as long as I have 
the mindset of resourcefulness, then all my, you know, possessions and money can be taken away, but I can still have wealth because I can replenish and I can do it all over again. So to me, that's more so of what indestructible wealth really is. It's a mindset that you could take everything away from Jack Gibson right now. And although I would really hope that doesn't happen, I'm trying to put all the parameters in place because I don't, I don't want to start over. But if it did, I mean, you could literally, I feel you could drop me off in any town with a hundred bucks in America. And eventually a decade later, I'll be coming back out a multimillionaire again. So that's the, that's what I want to help teach, you know, my, my audience that the few that are following right now, you know, it seems so small yet. It's, it's good. Right. But it's never big enough. (laughs) So Jack, you're really hitting on something really key because what you're saying is not something that is brand new. I've heard this same idea before that once you achieve something, you're learning is never taken away from you. And that learning, the internal stuff is what truly makes you the person who can create that that external money. So money is outside of us, but how did we create it in the first place? It's what was inside of us. And so, I mean, if you read um, Complete Family Wealth, Family Wealth, there's a whole series of books. We just interviewed Keith Whitaker. Um, He writes Mm -hmm. with um, Susan Massenzio and James E. Hughes Jr. They talk about this idea of wealth being human flourishing and mm-hmm. that real wealth is not just the money outside of us. It's really how, what is the degree to which we're maximizing our skills and abilities and truly flourishing in life? And so if, if we recognize that Jack, what got you to where you were multiple times as a multimillionaire in multiple different businesses was not the money. It was the part of you inside that knew how to accomplish that. If you're teaching that to other people, then let's go ahead and unpack that a little bit. What is the skill set, the set of mindsets, the, the, I, I believe it's far deeper than the strategies, but what is required internally? to be that person who creates indestructible wealth? Well, there's a lot to unpack there, but I think if you really boil it all down, this is nothing new as well. It's a simple um, belief that you're going to do it. Whatever you believe that you can or you can't do, you're right. So, you know, I think where people really have to look at is what are some of the beliefs that you've been given that maybe you're not even aware of that could be preventing you from creating wealth, for example. Look at all the top 10 movies or the, even now it's maybe the top 20 movies uh, historically at the box office. Um, I think almost all of them have an evil, rich villain. And so if you look at probably the most evil movie of all time, the Titanic, um, great movie, but still <laughs> the, the evilness that it plants into our subconscious is, is pretty awful because you oh, don't yeah. even realize what's happening. But it was all about, you know, class um, discrepancies and their evil rich guy um, was, I mean, he was quite the villain, right? So we automatically then think, wow, man, having money is bad. Well, 
that's your perception, but that's in all reality, that's not even close to the truth because all the wealthy people that I'm around, they got there because they're great humans. They were givers first. Mm -hmm. um, certainly there's going to be a small percentage that are going to get there in other nefarious ways, but uh, they don't have indestructible wealth either. I mean, that, that will always go away. That will always be lost, taken away or uh, whatever the case. So mm -hmm. the, the real kind of the sum it all up, you got to believe that uh, having money and lots of it is great. I think that for my platform, the more people that I, good people that I can teach how to make great money, then I know that they're going to do really great things for other humans with that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that belief that money corrupts is so entrenched in our society and in our way of thinking. I see it come up in successful people who feel guilty for the money that they've created, who feel afraid of letting people know what they have been able to create, who feel afraid mm -hmm. of what it's going to do to their children and their grandchildren. It comes from unsuccessful people who are living at the poverty line as well, who are thinking that the cause of them not being able to rise is other wealthy people that are somehow suppressing them or, or taking the knowledge and information and preventing other people from being able to rise. And, and it's a power struggle or power play. What is really interesting though, is that money is not evil. And when we truly recognize that money allows people, I, I think it's more like a, a supercharge or it's a booster or it's something that creates whatever character, whatever value system, whatever knowledge and wisdom you have, whatever your your um, ability to connect with others and whatever your skill set is, more money amplifies your ability to do that same thing to an, a, a higher level. And so the true focus is not on how much money, but how great of a character and how great of a value system I can carry myself and have inside of me. So that is directing my actions, but how much I can impart that to others because then the money just helps them do more good, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really strong with my platform on teaching people how to give and do it early and not wait till you've arrived at this certain level of income or certain number on your net worth statement that then I'll be a philanthropist and then I'll be a giver because it's really pretty tough to give. If you make a million dollars, it's tough to give a hundred grand out of that. Um, when you make a hundred thousand, you know, giving 10,000 away is, you know, that's pretty tough too. I'm not dis diminishing any level, but it's not like it gets any easier the more that you make, because then the check that you're writing or wiring, right? Checks kind of mm -hmm. getting outdated now. You're, um, not any easier. It's not any easier to do that. So I think that what I teach is just start exercising that muscle because as you continue to grow and flourish in your businesses and in your investments and, and you're growing your money, then that's just going to amplify who you already are and who and the way that you're being. So we're able to, for example, I think this past year we gave away 40,000 just to our church alone. And then there were other causes that we support as well. Um, we're able to do that, which is amazing, 
but we're able to do that because I started giving 10 years ago when I was not making the money that I am today and didn't have successful investments, you know, flowing extra sources of income in. We did that then. So then now that's easy. It's not the muscles already worked. The muscles already developed. It's not like I'm going to the gym for the first time after 90 days or uh, a year off. <laughs> that's really a powerful thought exercise because if we say, well, I'm going to wait until I'm healthy to go to the gym, that would never work, right? I'm going to wait until I lose a hundred pounds to start eating healthy. That just is an incongruency. And so why do we think I'm going to wait to have good money habits until I have a lot of money? You're not going to get there with poor money habits in the first place. Yeah. When I was in seventh grade, I remember in science, this is like the only thing I took away, the law of inertia. And I, it sticks with me to this day because it makes so much, it applies to every single thing in our lives. A body in motion tends to want to stay in motion and a body at rest will tend to stay at rest. So once you're in getting the motion started is the hard part. That's why going to the gym after several months off is difficult. It's why giving, if you haven't been giving to start it is very, very difficult to um, start anything, to start a new business after having worked a job where you work a set schedule is very difficult because again, you're, you're fighting the law of inertia. Once you get that moving, it does become easier and easier as you go because the muscles getting strengthened, whatever muscle that is in that area. So I think it's, it's huge to start even small, like For example, I tell people, look, like give 1% of your income. You will not miss it. A penny out of a dollar, a dollar out of, you know, 10, you won't, you, I'm sorry, dollar out of a hundred, that'd be 1%, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Um, You won't, it won't affect you and you'll live much better. You'll be more blessed on the 99%. Mm -hmm. And then as you do that, then you can go up to 2% easily and then 5% and then, You'll start to see crazy things happening in your life that you can't even explain that um, if you tried to explain it to somebody else, they'll think it's like random, but you know the truth that it's a direct cause of you being blessed for you making the upfront sacrifice of uh, being a giver. So I think, uh, you know, you can work your way up through that. Just like I was off the entire summer from the gym because I really wanted to work on my golf game. So it just didn't work to have time to do both. Mm -hmm. That's what I was. That's the excuse I made. So when I went started back up this fall, you know, I'm like, okay, just go for 30 minutes. Like you don't have to go back to your hour or whatever routine, Mm -hmm. just go for even 20 minutes. Just start getting, you know, that, that, reacclimation into it so that you don't burn yourself out and try to do too much. So I think too, is just starting off and biting off chunks that, that you can sustain is very important. Jack, I, I love that you're sharing starting where you are and then moving to where you want to go. I think that I'm probably not alone in this, but I can tend to think in terms of black and white or all or nothing. And I'm either a hundred percent in or I'm not at all. And if I haven't gone 100% in, then it feels like my efforts are fruitless or ineffective, Mm. and I may as well not even start. And that sounds so weird to admit, Mm. but I think that many of us can have that feeling, well, if I'm not saving 30% of my income right now, 
I need to wait until I can be able to do that rather than starting with one, two, five, 10, 20%. Same with giving. And what's interesting is if you look back at some of the um, fundamental principles of building wealth, even if you go back to um, the richest man in Babylon, George, I think S is his middle initial, George S. George Clayson. George S. Clayson. Yes. And he talks about set thy purse to fattening, put that 1% or 10% away in savings from wherever you start from, wherever your income is today, start that discipline, start that habit. And it's interesting that if we overlay that back over onto giving, Rabbi Lapin, Rabbi Daniel Lapin will talk about this idea of giving and charity and giving to something that has the ability then to expand your efforts for good, where maybe you could try to do your own charitable work as well. You could go try to organize your own foundation and do all the individual work in the community. But if you can find somebody who is already doing that and you are contributing to that, you're multiplying, you're leveraging your efforts to expand the influence with your with your giving. And he talks about that almost like greasing this um, ability for money to flow in and out of your life. And as you release that money with giving, it allows money to come back into your life as well, which is something that we can feel that I need to hang on to all of it and put all of it to work and skip the savings and skip the giving and go straight to the investing. But instead, if we build the right systems and the infrastructure of giving and saving, we're in a position to truly create the opportunity for more wealth to flow into our life. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I definitely think that whatever that you, your strength is, for example, like I'm good at, pretty good at business and making money. Um, I don't have a large audience on social. So uh, that effort uh, to, to build that, I'm just starting to kind of exercise that muscle. So it's, it's very, very difficult. Uh, I'm learning all, I have to learn all kinds of new skills and take courses and hire coaches. And it's just not something that comes naturally. So I've got a lot of other things that I've got going. So it's a distraction um, as well. Those things distract me from building a social media presence. So I look at it and say, okay, what's, what is my ultimate like strength, right? So if I can just stay within my strength zone, for example, in the giving department, um, I don't volunteer much time because I feel like my strength is making money so I can do better putting my time into that and then just Mm -hmm. donating money to people and multiplying somebody else's infrastructure that they already have set up. So what's your strength? You know, if it's um, maybe if it's not quite haven't developed the money making, you know, uh, muscle and your strength is hands on time, then do that. And there's, there's multiple ways to give besides just giving money. But that's my, uh, that's stage five, right? Is the giving part. Although like I have five stages of what I consider Go building ahead and walk wealth. us through what that is. Your yeah, five stages. So, and I, and I always say too, stage five, um, it doesn't mean like just because it's on stage five that you don't start it in stage one. It's just when you're in stage five, you're uh, able to do it at a level to where you're able to build churches. You're able to um, make some incredible uh, donations that can really move the the needle in a big way for other people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, stage one of uh, the five stages of building indestructible wealth is to really focus on having a um, 
effort in putting into yourself. Like you're, you're increasing your own knowledge and your own skills. So your primary objective is to pour money back into investing into yourself. So the more that you're able to, you know, be skillful in something, the more the knowledge that you have, the more expertise, then you're going to be able to be that much more effective. And you're going to be able to be uh, compound your time that you're putting in and, and increase your earning power. I, in starting off and creating my indestructible wealth brand, uh, I've been not knowing really what I was doing. I mean, I had a general idea, but I've hired lots of different coaches. I've hired Instagram coach, a LinkedIn coach, a TikTok coach. I've hired a brand, um, coaching group to help me put the whole thing together. Um, I have business coaches as well that are just overall whole, whole life, whole business strategy. So, I mean, there's five coaches right there that I've, when I started this brand, that was the number one thing that I put money into. Now, number stage two. Let's just pause there for a second, because I think if you are uh, a thinking logical human, which we all have that logic for a reason, it can seem that if I spend the money to invest in myself, that that's not a good ROI or that it's not mm. measurable, That's or that right. it's not immediate, or that I'm wasting money, or that it's yeah. too expensive. I mean, there can be, I mean, I'm just sharing a lot of probably those negative beliefs that can come up about investing in ourselves. And yet, it is the number one thing that is going to allow you to have the capability to be able to serve people at a higher level. I think there's a huge part of that that's investing in yourself, and then there's a huge part of it that is walking out your work as well and continuing just to start the journey where you are and improving along the way. But I yeah, that's absolutely agree. The hardest part about it is that it's not measurable. When you invest into a, a piece of real estate and you know you you have this expectation or pretty general idea of how well it's going to perform when you buy it. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, there's going to be variables. There's going to be things that happen that throw that number off, uh, maybe substantially, but not that much. You generally can predict pretty well. Um, when you invest into stocks, I mean, if you're getting like your blue chip and your established companies, I mean, you generally have a or an index fund. You know, you know, seven percent is about what they're going to grow over time. You know. Investing into yourself, I feel like is a lot like investing into an early stage company or into an early stage cryptocurrency where there's so much unpredictability. You have no way to measure what's going to happen. You don't know. You're just operating on this faith and this belief that this is going to give you an ROI on over a longer period of time. So that is absolutely what we struggle with of investing into ourselves. But I can tell you, I mean, out of everything I've done the last, you know, 25 years, I started in business at age 19. Um, yeah, 24 years. That is the number one investment that I can look back on that has m- moved the needle on my net worth and has created indestructible wealth because I built up the mindset. And the mm-hmm. mindset is drop me off in any city with a hundred bucks and I'll come out on top eventually. Now it'll take me a while, probably it won't be easy, um, but I'll do it. And so that's where the younger gen, they, when I posted about this on a Instagram reel, 
the, it blew up actually. It was a short little video. I just talked about like, if you had an initial, your first $2,000, what you invest into or like what financial assets you should buy. I said, nothing. That's what I cut to, right? Nothing. And it just like, sure. It shocked a lot of people. Uh, I said, you put that money into yourself, hire a coach, go to a seminar, um, read a, you know, take a course, read a book, invest into yourself to grow, grow your skills and increase your income. And then you'll have substantially a, a more money to invest and to multiply. I had a lot of haters on that. I mean, 50% of the uh, um, comments were, you know, they were cussing me out. They were telling me, I don't know anything about compounding. And I could tell you this, I do know about compounding. I know about the compounding of one's mindset and ideas and skills and their earning power. I can, uh, I can out earn any of those trolls on that by 20 times because of the amounts of money that I've put into myself. Mm -hmm. So that's always going to be your greatest investment is because you have a hundred percent control over your own earning power. Which comes back all the way to the idea that your greatest um, leverage point is your ability to choose. I mean, Victor Frankl mm. pointed that out in Man's Search for Meaning as he went through yeah. concentration camps and even said, your ability to decide what you're going to do about your external stimulus, about the external environment is the most powerful thing about you. And as, as you invest in yourself, you're investing in your ability to decide wealth. So Jack, what are the, in, in your um, framework, what are the next three levels of building wealth? Yeah, stage two is invest into a cash flow producing business and something preferably that you can scale that where it's not always going to be 100% on you and on your own efforts. Um, something where you can create a team, whether it's a team of a sales team, a marketing team, a team of um, a support team but that you can leverage off the efforts of others. You know, there's two ways to create wealth, right? Either, either it's either people at work or it's money at work. It's almost impossible to get wealthy on your own hundred percent. Very, very difficult. I and mean, if you, you can, do, but very, very slow. Very if slow. you do, usually that concept is I just want high earning, high income, which doesn't translate to human flourishing and long-term financial freedom either with streams no, of income. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, so number three, a, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Just want to add in too, you know, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, so I'm highly biased in terms of starting businesses and, you know, building one's own equity in their own business. I mean, if you look at the amount of equity that the, my private business is worth, for example, or one of my private businesses I mean, there's no way I could have ever created that kind of valuation by investing into the stock market, for example. Now, I have stocks. I, I do have equities. I think it's a great way, uh, a part of the plan, but nothing trumps the ability of an entrepreneur to really move the needle on their net worth through, through forcing up their earnings, earning power of their own cash flow producing business. Earnings, net income or earnings is what a company is valued on. So you can create an incredible level of equity or net worth in just in your own private business. So as an employee for an employee, you know, they're listening to this maybe and like, well, I don't, I don't want to start a business. I get it. It's not for everybody. 
well, then you need to be have you need to have other you need to have equity in other people's businesses. Or, for example, real estate is a business. Mm-hmm. If you start buying property, that is a business. So you may want to look at that. Of hey, I'm an employee. I want to build wealth quicker. Well, starting a side hustle, building a real estate portfolio, that could definitely be a way to help amplify your wealth building capabilities. So Jack, I'm going to make a distinction that I think is lost sometimes. I look at this as the difference between active and passive. So if, and it's a little different distinction than people who say passive streams of income or passive cash flow. So I'm going to separate this for a second. If you are investing passively, that's saying, well, the typical way is to put my money into a retirement account or a fund somewhere. Fund managers will make uh, decisions about where my assets will be allocated. And hopefully I'm in the right risk tolerance and we have the right um, rules surrounding that, that I'm going to grow my wealth passively by not having to understand or have knowledge or control over those assets. Active investing is where I develop my skill set, which requires investing in myself and mm-hmm. jumping in, plunging in, and building that experience. So active investment is something that I can choose to invest in where I do have knowledge and I do have control. And those two pieces will give you the greatest leverage because if you have knowledge about something and you have control, you're not just at the whims of a fund manager or the market as a whole. You are now in a position where you know how to pivot when the market in your particular demographic goes down in real estate. You can move to other assets or you can... Um, take equity out of some real estate holdings and move that into, um, I don't know, maybe into multifamily or into self-storage, or you can Mm -hmm. reallocate assets because you have control. You're not just passively investing. And so that's a different distinction between active and passive. And what you're talking about here is get into cash flow producing assets. The mindset shift that has to happen before that is I am an active investor. I choose investments. I'm not, I am an investor, not just I have investments on the side. Yes. Yeah, stage, stage, good point. Stage two is more of an active in nature type of um, component. Stage three is where you're investing the profits from your stage one earning power, your stage two cash flow producing business, and you're putting that into assets that create multiple streams of passive cash flow. So the I use the example of buying rental property, for example, in in real estate um, in stage two, because that's not a passive investment. That is absolutely more to me an active investment than it is passive because you have you're running a business. You have income coming in, you have expenses going out, you have tenants, toilets, and trash, you have a prop great property manager. Great. You still have an active investment. It's not, it's not passive. <clears throat> so in getting into stage three, now you're creating, you're, you're, you're leveraging yourself and your ability to create multiple streams of income by doing things that you can put your money in. And for the most part, it doesn't take a lot of you having to like manage it or drive it or control it. And, um, but yet stage three is safe things that are not so speculative in nature. Okay, so stage four 
is you take the income from stages one, your earning power, stage two, which is your direct effort, stage two, your cash flow producing business, which is you're starting to, to have people at work. So you're generating money off them. And then uh, stage three is you have your money at work into assets that are, um, are more stable in nature. And then stage four, that's where you're taking the money and you're putting it into speculative things. And typically that means early stage companies, early stage projects. I think of cryptocurrency. I think of uh, pre-IPOs of companies that now, because the laws changed five years ago, where the everyday you know Joe can now invest a thousand bucks into a, an a early stage company before they go public. Those are what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of early stage uh, technology type companies that have something that potentially could be huge. It could be early stage um, biotechnology. I've just invested quite a bit into um, the, uh, what do you call it? Um, it's psychedelics. It's so, you know, the magic mushrooms that hmm. for, for years have been very, very illegal. Well, there's a lot of research that's supporting that those could be uh, highly beneficial for humans to help with uh, depression in a mm. much more effective manner than what uh, traditional depressants with all their side effects are doing. That's something that is very risky. It's very risky because it, it may not ever really get approved to the or reclassified, I should say, from it's a schedule one at the level of heroin right now. Um, if it doesn't ever get reclassified to, to schedule three, which would kind of where it needs to be to where doctors can really prescribe it, then it's, it's going to bomb out. But you know, the research that I have predicts that could be a trillion dollar, the next trillion dollar business, um, industry. So uh, I like it. Yeah. And I'm look, I mean, I always say you want to have different investment risks, uh, buckets of risk. So that's my risky investment bucket, but that could also move the needle on my net worth in a huge way. So if it doesn't work out, if I was, if the research was wrong or something doesn't go the way that we hoped it, that it goes, and this is the nature of speculation, <laughs> you're buying something on the hopes that it goes up in value or up in price. You're not buying something for the immediate cash flow that it's going to kick off. If it doesn't work out, then your lifestyle is infected. You're okay because your income is going to get replenished from stages one, two, and three. Mm. What happens and where I see a lot of the younger gen and what I did when I was 22 is I skipped from stage zero one all the way to, to four, stage right? four. Mm -hmm. And I, cause I wanted to get rich quick. I wanted to be a millionaire by age 30. So I went to the risky tech stocks in the year 2000, three months before the tech bubble dot com bubble collapsed. Yeah. So I'm afraid that all the young kids that are putting all their money into these risky meme bets, um, these highly, highly volatile with not much usage, um, cryptocurrencies, um, and these things that they're doing in an effort to try to move the needle on their net worth too quickly, um, then I'm, I'm nervous for them that they're going to go through even bigger fall than what I went through back when I was 22. So that's what I'm trying to 
you know, ultimately I'm trying to teach. And, um, I think too, some, sometimes people just have to learn the lesson themselves. Some of these kids are just going to have to get crushed first before they're going to open up their minds to, Hey, okay, what's a better long-term, more sustainable plan? What the way I was doing it (laughs) clearly was the wrong sequence. So Jack, I think there's so many areas that we could go to from this. I think there's a lot of value in building good money habits, good money systems, not jumping straight to investing really of any kind until you have the fundamentals of making sure that you're maximizing your cash flow and minimizing your expenses, being in a position where you're protecting the wealth and you're saving as well, even before you might move into the investing quadrant. But let's take this all the way back to kids for a minute here. So you're mentioning people who are young people right now who are maybe getting their start uh, in finance and they're they're trying to think about their own wealth creation story. How do we bring that all the way back to investing the entrepreneurial spirit in kids so that they can have the right mindset from an early age and be able to have the right systems and not have to make the giant swing of giant mistakes? What do you say about that? Yeah, I mean, it, with our kids, you know, I'm I'm playing games with them. I played Monopoly with them when they were five and six, and they were beating me at some some level sometimes. So that was cool. Um, I think games are great for you know for kids to learn. Uh, we bought Rich uh, Rich Dad's uh, cash, cash flow, flow game. game. Yeah, we've used uh, that one as well. My kids were less than excited about that because I kind of hyped it up as something super cool. And then for them, it was a board game. It, it was <laughs> 1980s was one of the comments from my <laughs> oldest um, uh, little punk. How and, old? How old at the time did they say that? Uh, he's 13. Yeah. Okay. So he said it was 13. Of course, awesome. teenager, okay. right? He's yeah. gonna, he's going to give me attitude. Um, but you know, as they as you go and you're, you know, you start hitting your young twenties and you're just starting to earn, then the prospect of waiting until maybe a decade before you're really there for stage four and doing speculation does not sound like fun at all. It sounds like, oh man, I, I got, you're telling me I got to have all these fundamentals in place. Well, I think one thing I do teach is that when you are younger, you do have the ability to take on more risk, as at least a percentage of risk, um, than say when you're, you know, seventy and approaching. You're really where your earning power may be not so strong, and so I tell them, you know, look, take twenty, thirty percent of your investable dollars and do some stage four stuff. It's like telling somebody that on a diet that, you know, you, you can never have anything sweet. Like you can't, there's no cheat ever. They're just not going to be able to stick to that over the long period of time. It's not sustainable. So by saying, okay, yeah, you can, you, you, you can do responsibly do some stage four speculation. And I think in all reality, like you want to, I mean, there's just so much technology that and projects that are just have so much incredible potential right now. We're on the cusp of a technological explosion over the next decade that I don't think you want to really miss out on that, but you really want to be also be careful how much speculation you do because the wealthy, they think safety first. That's their number one mantra. Mm -hmm. Protect your capital, protect your principal capital, and then take the income that derives off of that capital. And then you speculate with that. 
Mm-hmm. So they really want to um, they want to do things in the right sequence, but it doesn't mean, for example, like I said, that you need to wait till you hit stage five and you're and you and you're making all this money and you have this multi million dollar net worth before you really do anything charitable. You want to be doing uh, elements of stage five all the way in conjunction with stage one and two. So it's it's a matter of just thinking through the overall what is the overall strategic plan that i need to embrace that then dictates what the tactics are that i'm going to utilize mm-hmm. tactics are what stock should i buy what or what fund should i buy what um real estate should i buy right where should i buy it mm-hmm. those are all tactical in nature those um and those can change really quick I mean, my tactics, for example, of my investment plan drastically shifted uh, a month, two months ago when the Bitcoin mining machines in China came to the market. When China shuts down Bitcoin mining for China, which made essentially making it illegal, they banned it. So now 70% of the world's Bitcoin mining machines are now on the market. So now I've got a partner that we've been mining crypto for a year. Now the prices now finally make sense for us. So now we're gobbling up and I'm buying up as many Bitcoin mining machines as I can because it's like legally printing money. But that the, the, that was a tactical shift that happened because market conditions changed. So you've got to be fluid with your tactics as long as it falls in under the what is your overall strategy? If I were to say, okay, yeah, I'm going to buy Bitcoin mining machines, but I sell off every other investment I have to go all in on that. Well, that's to me is not following the strategic plan that I adamantly recommend. That's not, that, that wouldn't be too smart. So it's, it's allowing yourself a little bit of flexibility, you know, to, to make sure to, to make moves when moves make sense. You know, Jack, I think if somebody's listening today and they say, okay, well, so what from your perspective should I do next? First, second, third, fourth? I think mm-hmm. it might even be helpful rather than thinking of in an order, just classifying or being able to have the distinction on saying, what is this investment? Where does this fit in these buckets? Is this a yeah. is this a cash flow producing business? Is this a um multiple streams of passive cash flow or is this a speculative mm-hmm. asset or is this giving or is this yeah. investing in myself and if we can at least recognize and have a framework for understanding what is this decision i'm making right now then i think it's easier to integrate how to strategically do all of this well because it's a system right it's not just mm-hmm. like i give in isolation i invest in myself in isolation from all of the other pieces this is my whole financial life I'm talking about. This is a whole interconnected, interdependent working model where if I recognize what is the purpose of this money and how can I think about my investing decisions, this is like an overlay of a, a, a map that I can classify my different decisions into. And that helps me then figure out, well, am I weighted? Am I unhealthily weighted all towards one type of investing? Do I need to expand into other areas? Do I need to invest more in myself? Maybe I have skipped that step. Have yeah. I skipped the giving step? Have I have I taken um, too much risk 
and jump straight into speculative assets versus safety. Am I in the too safe quadrant? Am I, I don't even know why I called it quadrant, but am I over in the too safe camp? And I'm yeah. saying, I'm not going to invest yeah. anything right now. And I'm just going to hold all of my money steady. And, and I mean, if you look back, even at the Bible with the parable of the talents, it's not an advisable wise way of managing money to just hunker down and say, I'm just going to save and save and never deploy that capital to expand it. We want to expand our capital and build that indestructible wealth by really focusing on what's internal. So um, Jack, I think this is a really helpful way of thinking about money and wealth. And I'm really thankful that you're starting this new um, arm, this new venue, this new method of helping people to truly focus on what, what matters because people are looking for strategies to manage wealth, but ultimately what we all really need, maybe it's not what we're looking for, but what we really need is to grow and be the best human that we are capable of being and fulfill our calling in life and to impact as many people as possible. And that is something that you brought up even very much at the beginning. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. Yeah. I think, you know, one thing to make sure to talk about that I'm really, uh, I love this concept is the concept of thinking six, six steps ahead. And so, and not in the five stages, it's kind of like a separate example. There was a really really like one of my favorite commercials on TV and I don't watch much TV anymore except it's sports. So I don't know if they're still on or not, but uh, well, I don't either. So I couldn't tell yeah. you. So go ahead. Yeah. So direct TV had a series of commercials out that it started with one, dis- one thing that happened because you chose cable and that negative event led to this step to then this step. And then by step eight, you uh, were in duress, like serious duress. So for example, uh, when you wait for the cable guy to show up and he's like, he's super late, then stage two then happens, you get bored. And when you get bored, you stare out windows. And when you stare out windows, you see things you shouldn't see. So the, what happened was these mobsters were putting a a cadaver into a trunk, right? (laughs) So this guy sees that, right? So when you see things that you shouldn't see, you need to vanish. When you need to vanish, you have to fake your own death. When you fake your own death, you dye your eyebrows. And when you dye your eyebrows, you attend your own funeral as Phil Shively. So that was the commercial, right? (laughs) So (laughs) it's hilarious. So ridiculously over the top, yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or another guy was playing um, racquetball, or he he was on hold with the cable company for you know a long period of time. Got angry played racquetball, got hit in the face, and then ended up getting an eye patch. The people thought he was tough. They attacked him. He ended up in a ditch, right? So that's the negative uh, uh, kind of scenarios that sounds that like the uh, from grown up decision. Like the grown-up version of if you give a mouse a muffin or a, a, I don't know, there's like these children's books. If you give a something a cupcake, um, then like these spiral of events. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So it's a series of events. Exactly. Go ahead. So we can look at this in terms of a positive way, but what happens is most people, when they're building wealth, they're not in the early stages. They're not looking at this six, seven, eight state, eight steps down the line of the, what happens from the decision. So for mm-hmm. example, this, this, the one that I like to give, instead of buying a used car that is reliable, but not flashy, you're, um, you buy a brand new car that you spend 60, 80,000. So in all reality, I mean, if you would have 
done bought a used reliable car, you would have saved $500 a month. Okay. So then you'd save this $500 a month. Now you can buy a high cash value whole life policy and you can fund it for, let's just say 500 a month for easy math, right? So that's over the course of a year, that's 6,000 over the course of five years it's 30,000. So at year five, now you can borrow back. Let's say you pull 25 K out and now you buy a piece of real estate for $25,000 down. That's worth a hundred thousand. Okay. Now the next stage from there is that you have $300 in net cash flow that's coming off of that rental property. Okay. So you take your $300 in net rental and you buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, you buy more riskier assets because that's stage four. So now you're making money in three different places at the same time because of that one decision in step one which was to delay gratification, be a little bit more responsible, not give so much of a energy on what other people think of you because you're buying the new car because you want to look good in all reality. Mm-hmm. So you want to keep up with somebody else in all reality. That's mm-hmm. the main motivation. So by by doing that, just simple step like that, now you're making three money in three different places and actually six different forms of money. So how does that, what do you mean? Six different forms of money. Well, your, your insurance, whole life insurance policy continues to compound Mm -hmm. as even though you borrowed against it. So you're getting the growth of that policy. And then you're also getting in the real estate deal. You're getting the growth of the property. You're getting the cash flow from the rent. And you're also getting the debt pay down of the amortization of the property. So that's increasing your net worth. So there's three there. And then on the on the cryptocurrency, for example, you're getting the going for the appreciation of the asset, but you can now also loan and lend those out on platforms where you're getting additional income streams off your crypto. I've already made ten thousand dollars in just in 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 extra um, interest payments off of my crypto while I'm holding them, waiting for them to go up in value. So there's there's six total forms of and ways that your money is growing and it was all from one decision that that set everything off mm-hmm. and then if you look at it too thinking six steps ahead you can flip it and and reverse it the other way you bought the new car so now you went $500 spent over your income so now you're $500 in debt every month so now at the end of five years, you got an extra 30,000 in debt. And now the next stage is you got to figure out how to pay that off and so on. Right. And so you got the negative spiraling effect of going that the other direction. So it can go, it, the stages, the steps can go positive or negative, depending on what's that initial catalyst, that initial decision that you made. That's the problem. I think is that most people aren't thinking this decision even though it may be not that big, how is this, how is this developing and how is this going to flush itself out and play out over, uh, and five years to me, it really is not that long of a period of time. It's not in six different forms of income off one decision. So I think Jack, when we look at that, if I could tell my younger self, what I know now, I would say, Look at the compounding power 
of small good decisions. Mm -hmm. It's difficult when you're standing at zero to envision how a responsible step today enables or creates or empowers the next good step, which empowers the next good decision. I think it's like that with anything in life. You're not only building up a muscle of doing the right thing, but you're providing yourself additional options in the future. And if we can become strategic or even without necessarily understanding all of that building, which was extremely powerful that you shared, if we can just recognize from right now, what is the best next step that I can put myself in a better position tomorrow than I am today, I will give myself so many more options. And Jack, you said it really well. The the reason that we buy the more expensive car today and the brand new more expensive car is because we want to make ourselves feel good mm-hmm. in the moment. If we could just think about what we're going to feel like five years and 20 years and a hundred years and two generations from now, because of small good decisions, if we could value the future more than today's comfort right now, I think we'd all be way further ahead. I mean, I think that's the hard part, right? Is that the delayed gratification effect, right? We we want to enjoy things now and thinking five years from now <clears throat> is not not always all that appealing. Um, but that is absolutely the mindset shift that has to happen for somebody to actually build indestructible wealth. You have to be thinking five to 10 years down the road of how is this going to um, potentially multiply and compound. I definitely think that the plan of going from you know, like zero, starting out just in your earning years and then retiring at 65, <clears throat> that's too long. 40 years, that's way too long to delay gratification. I'm not interested. Whenever I see anybody post on social media about these plans of I'm going to save this, this, and this, and, and 40 years from now, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm like, I'm out. That to me, I mean, I'm not patient enough to do that. I think that, you know, building wealth is, um, does take time. It, it's not something that happens overnight. And if you force it too quick, I think bad things happen to you <laughs> financially, but you can do it quicker, not quickly, but quicker than what you've been probably told or trained or others have shared with you. If you do the five stages, you can definitely achieve wealth inside of a 20 year period, um, probably even with today's incredible technology pace of what's happening. I mean, you could do it in 10 years. And enjoy your life along the way. And enjoy your life along the way. That's the most important part. Absolutely. Well, Jack, this has been a great conversation today. Thank you for doing the work that you do. And I just want to commend and compliment you that at the very beginning, you said there's a lot of movies about negative, wealthy people. And you said, in reality, your actual experience, which has been mine as well, is the most successful people are the most giving and the most generous with their time and their knowledge and sharing so that other people can accomplish those same things as well. So uh, if, if somebody would like to reach out to you, how is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, we have a a podcast called the indestructible wealth show with Jack Gibson, Uh, 57 episodes as of this recording. Uh, I cover everything that we just talked about today. And then I actually go into specific investments that um, make sense. I don't sell them, not uh, licensed in securities. So I don't sell stocks or uh, manage portfolios or anything like that. 
I do have a book I'm coming out with. I have a, a video course um, that will be very affordably priced. I have a monthly mastermind where they can get all of my crypto and stock picks that I'm making. I've made um, huge amounts on crypto and I research and very careful too about what I do. And um, so they can get all those picks. Like that's a kind of a monthly um, chat group. And then I do have one-to-one coaching, very limited as well. So everything on my site, myindestructiblewealth.com, they can contact me there. They can um, find me on Instagram as well at indestructiblewealth. And I respond to messages really quick on there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jack, for continuing to share your story. It's been really unique to watch your evolution over the years that I've known you already. And I am really excited to see what you're creating. And I do have a plug for you before you go. I mean, I, I can't I can't get on your podcast and not plug it. So in my whole life policy, okay, this is what's funding the Bitcoin machines that I'm buying. And then my tax bill was seriously high this year, right? So mm-hmm. I gotta make a I gotta do some some moves and paying some taxes before the end of the year. And I was able to stay invested, right, all throughout the year. But yet now I have this liquidity that I can grab and pull out and borrow against my policy, not interrupt the compounding. And as an entrepreneur, the most important part of growing that besides investing into yourself is having liquidity, mm-hmm. liquidity, access to cash quick, yes, quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing with your, um, your business, I tell people all the time, they need to get with Rachel Marshall at the money advantage because she knows her stuff. She designs the policies for an entrepreneur to be Mm -hmm. successful with them. So yeah. Yes. And thank you for bringing that up multiple times. It's interesting that that ability to store cash in an infinite banking policy and have the availability to borrow that capital to put to work in other places is a powerful, powerful tool that all too often we completely miss because we blow past all of the steps and say, I made the money. I'm investing the money and we skip the protection component. We skip the efficiency component. And as you're talking about, Jack, we skip the cash flow component, even, which I see is one of the most important ones. And so slow down, build the fundamentals, look long range, and don't discredit the compounding power of your small decisions today. That's so, right. So, Jack, this has really been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to anyone who is listening, whether this is live or after the fact, we are honored to have you here. We're honored to have you join in these conversations here as we continue to just share details about how to optimize your financial life so that you can be in the most powerful position possible and really, truly accomplish your goals. So in closing, I will say, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, 
we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.